Funding for the Hinckley Report is made possible in part by the George S. and Dolores Dore Eccles Foundation and the Cleone Peterson Eccles Endowment Fund. Thank you for listening to the Hinckley Report as a podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe at your go-to podcast platform. Tonight on the Hinckley Report, Utah's leaders work through controversial issues as they tackle a record number of bills and prioritize funding requests. Legislators negotiate a compromise with the organizers of the redistricting ballot initiative. And voters begin to turn in their ballots as the state prepares for its first Super Tuesday. Good evening and welcome to The Hinckley Report. I'm Jason Perry, director of the Hinckley Institute of Politics. Covering the week, we have Amy Donaldson, reporter with the Deseret News, Bob Burnick, contributing editor at Utah Policy, and Spencer Stokes, president of Stokes Strategies. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. Uh, I want to jump right into the legislative session. Week five, mm-hmm. bowed in the books. And uh, I know you, it's, it's risky to start talking about the budget at the start of a program, but that's where the fun is this year. Spencer, you're part of it, all right? The legislature has $800 million of funding, one-time and ongoing money. Tell us how those discussions are going and the current strategy. Well, well I, think, I think it's been an interesting kind of turn of events because they had they were planning on what had happened with tax reform so they were talking about their budgets around that early on and then when when that changed uh, immediately they had to make a shift and i think the 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 big line we've heard from legislators over the last uh, five weeks have been, there's no money. There is no money. There's no money. And it comes down to this shift in, we thought we were going to have a different tax policy and, and we're not going to. I think at the end of the day, things will be fine and everything will go along as, as planned. But that was a big shift for them to make all of the sudden at the beginning of the legislative session. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, well, they have a heck of a lot of money. This is one of the, the, the largest surpluses that they've ever had. The problem is is they don't have a lot of money in the general fund, which is sales tax, and they have a whole lot of money in the education fund, which is income tax, mostly personal income tax. So the, the problem is is that they, they can't move the money between the two funds because we have a constitutional earmark that says income taxes can only go to higher education and public education. That's the problem. They can't balance this stuff out. But but they are using some of that money uh, to fund, they have taken money from the general fund to fund higher ed and they're going to use some of that education. They've done that for years. And so they're taking some of that general fund money and pushing it out of uh, higher ed and and filling it back in with uh, with, uh, income tax money. Mm -hmm. But they can only do so much. But Um, I think they have a messaging issue as much as they have a money issue, uh, you know, a division of, of money issue. Because I think the message, I'm not covering it every day like you guys are so I'm not immersed in it I'm a reader of the newspaper and watching it on TV and I see all this I see the largest surplus ever and then saying but we have to plan for a rainy day and we're gonna put this in a rainy day fund we may not give you a tax cut because we might need to use it for a coronavirus response and I feel an immense amount of frustration that there's not better communication about why they can't fund some of the things that we want but, to but fund. this so. is but this is Utahns love talking about rainy day funds. I will tell you, this is the first time in the history of my food storage that I've ever looked at it and thought, 
maybe this was a good idea uh, to have this based on the coronavirus. But you've but, obviously never well, missed a paycheck. You're, gonna, <laughs> you're, just, you're just gonna eat flour. I'm gonna have. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm have gonna flour eat. and oatmeal. Okay. It's gonna be a great thing. But but people, Utahns love rainy day funds, mm -hmm. and I don't think that anyone will fault them for putting it that, especially with what's going on in the stock market, the coronavirus, and I believe that messaging problem is a good one to have that they're going to put money aside. Well, so Bob, you, you've reported on this, right, uh, on these rainy day yes. funds. Describe a couple of those because there are at least two or three of those funds are looking there's, at. There's two rainy day funds. There's one for the general fund, which you can what they put in uh, sales tax money into, and it's a percentage of how much uh, extra money they have every year because they've been running surpluses for a decade or so. The other one is the education fund. That's where the big one is. Now, I just looked at it the other day, uh, and I think that the, the general fund is around 250 million dollars and the uh, rainy day fund and the education fund is up around 571 million dollars that's a lot of money so they've got a lot of money in there already but there's a law that says they cannot go in and get it unless there's a fiscal emergency, emergency yeah. and that means they got to take a vote and all of this stuff so what uh, Amy mentioned is they're talking about creating some new rainy day funds which would be like checking accounts um, excuse me savings accounts so that you don't have you could just pull it out whenever you want and that's right. what they're you that's what they're fire, talking like about and a fire like right. what California right. dealt with and you yes. could do. yeah and yeah. they're also yeah. talking about using the, the rainy day fund to pay for student growth the the, the savings account student growth mm -hmm. uh, WPU and for uh, uh, stuff like that that they have to do every year but if they have some extra money in there and, and, and the, uh, the virus brings down the economy and the income tax drops off because people are out of work, yeah. then, uh, they, then they can get in it quicker. And remember, the last time we changed an, uh, the Constitution to allow higher ed to come in was during one of these crises when they needed to be able to pull more money out of the education fund to balance uh, the needs of the state, which is how they sold it. And now, and now because of how they sold it, they're a little irritated that they went in. They should have just removed the earmark altogether. Right. And there is an argument to be made that education would do much better if that earmark were were removed, because then it's not then it's not this battle. They can actually they can actually. Uh, prioritize education and of course on the heels of a walkout today with yeah. education. Yes. Yeah, I want to hit a couple of those points because they're, they're very good. Uh, yeah. You've done, uh, Amy, some great uh, reporting on the coronavirus. It's interesting because one of the plans that at least some legislators were talking yeah. about is maybe a tax break, all right? Take yeah. some of this money, give it back, but as recently as yesterday, the governor uh, here at you know, PBS Utah is even talking about, well, maybe the coronavirus maybe even impact any of those kinds of plans. Well, I think um, the, the first thing to know about the coronavirus, the, we don't know a lot. I just talked to an epidemiologist, a uh, friend of mine, and they're still studying how the disease, uh, what the incubation period is, how, how, how it spreads. Um, it is an upper respiratory, so there, there seems to be have to, you have to breathe it or have uh, contact with saliva um, in some way. But there are some mysteries. We have a, a California, like one confirmed case where this person didn't have any contact with uh, the normal, um, you know, know connections that you might have but it is uh, out near Travis Air Force Base where they do have right. some including uh, two Utahns quarantined so I think um, I think the response has to be much more um, coordinated I think that um, this is going to expose some flaws in our healthcare system um, if people have to pay there was a gentleman who went in and tried to get tested and it cost him $3,500 and um, maybe this test needs to be part of maybe the money that the government has for something like this should be used to if you 
you have, if you can show that you have some connection that you can get a test for free, I mean, obviously there are people going to go in and say, I have a cold, please test me for coronavirus because they're scared. But the reality is that, you know, we don't have independently confirmed cases except for that one. Um, so, but they're still figuring it out. Yeah. And I'm convinced they don't know, the, they don't have the incubation period, right? I have been covering this uh, since the cruise ship was uh, uh, quarantined on February 5th. And I'm convinced they have, they don't, they don't know. And the other thing to consider is if people without insurance go to work because they won't get a paycheck if they don't go to work, um, anyone can be infected. You buy food at a grocery store, the people who stock those shelves, they're workers who don't normally have insurance or days off. And those are all things that we have to consider when you're talking about something. But the governor's right. Right, right. Yeah. The governor is right. Uh, in this kind of a situation, I would I would be cautious and prudent and and uh, we may need that because as you mentioned we've never seen this bef kind of thing before uh, in our modern history where everybody is asked to stay home and you can imagine what that's going to do to an economy uh, and so you know. Well, think about it. In China, kids are not even allowed to go to school. They don't. Their stores are shut down, um, and they are just barely seeing a drop in the rate of uh, infection. And Japan is on the rise, and they're now saying you can't go to school. And in China, you're looking at months of kids being out of school, uh, stores and restaurants. I mean, we're already having shortages. I went to an IHC uh, facility yesterday, and they won't hand out masks because no, they there's yeah, they a run nationwide out of masks shortage. In a lot wow. of places. They're, they're, they are worried about it, and justifiably so, but there are political reasons why they don't want to give a tax cut. And because with all this money out there that they've got, they could easily give a tax cut. And one would think in an election year, all 75 House members, half of the 29-member Senate, they're all up for election. Normally, they would give a tax cut with all of this huge surplus they got. But uh, but there's hurt feelings up on Capitol Hill, hurt feelings over tax reform. So you're saying they want to punish us. Uh, only you. They only want to punish you. <laughs> but 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 they, legislators don't get hurt feelings. Bob, yeah, I they can't do. Yeah, they, talking yeah, about they that. do. And 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 so they're not. There's some there's some happy pup, unhappy puppies up there. Is what I'm saying. Uh -huh. And they don't. And so that's part of it too. It's yeah. not. It some of the stuff is is an overreaction perhaps. But they have other reasons for not giving a tax cut. I just want to ask one more about this, uh, Spencer, because you follow us so closely. Um, this this huge amount of money going to the education fund and not so much in the general fund. This is this issue has not been fixed, right? So legislators legislator are still talking about that, right? So there's no, is there a plan right now to fix that? Because this is what they've been saying all along, is they've got to fix this one pro this very it, problem. It's a difficult thing to fix because the only way you're going to fix this is if the education community comes on board with fixing this. Mm -hmm. And I don't see them coming on board with fixing it. Um, there is a lack of trust amongst the education community and the legislature. I think it's uh, somewhat overblown, the, the lack of trust both ways. It's going both ways. So the only way you get a constitutional amendment passed is if education stands up and says, we need this. And they view this earmark as a sacred thing to them. Yeah. That it, that is their, yeah, yeah. That's their, yeah, it's their money. I don't know how you get it passed, and I've said this re repeatedly, um, only way you can do is go make a deal with them. And 
And how do you make a deal when the, le the education community knows you can't bind future legislature, the legislative sessions so, uh, or leaders? So how do you do that? It's almost impossible. Well, one alternative is you, t you take away the earmark, but then you put a bunch of other guarantees in the Constitution, which you generally don't want to do because that's how they got in this problem in the first place. Right. But if you put into the Constitution that you're going to have, I don't know, this much growth every year, mm -hmm. a guarantee, there's other ways you can do it. I Language has been proposed. They don't, they don't like doing that. No. Yeah. They like but, doing that in statute. Not yeah, in that's but, right. but, but I think the real issue is the lack of trust. And mm -hmm. I, I think that there's been, the legislature has, as an unbiased person watching this um, and covering education for many years, they have been, they have beaten up on educators and, and public education so much that there's, they don't feel like they have even a seat at the power of table. And, and you, and every issue that comes up, like let's just look at uh, Medicaid expansion, they use education as the battering ram. It's the it's the club they hold over their head. If you want this, we have to cut education. If you want roads, we have to cut education. Stop using education as the club that but you're going to hit everybody with and then maybe there will be, you can rebuild that the trust. trust. The trust though has not come from the budgetary side because the legislature no, has been good to right. education it's, it's, it's budgetarily. It's, yeah. it's the other 125 bills that get introduced yes. that that are mm -hmm. that nitpick at the education that tell the community. They teach teacher how to do their job right. from Capitol and, Hill. And sadly, yeah. and this is a, a, a question that I think should be on everyone's mind during this gubernatorial season and debates, the governance of the State Board of Education needs to be reformed. The State Board of Education has no power to push back toward the legislature because the governor that can veto education bills in the legislature has no role in education other than that and so it's got to be fixed and if you were to say to me what constitutional horse would you ride this go around I would I would be more in favor of fixing governance in the Constitution than I would anything else of education because it's at the heart of the dysfunction. There's 400 hands on the wheel, and it's not a good way to drive a car. Yeah, but they've also but they've also just made the state board of education partisan. Yes. So now we're going to elect uh, we're going to elect our 15-member board, which most people don't know that oh, yeah. these people. We're going to elect them as Republicans or as Democrats. That means and they're that going to be that always helps. That adds that, that, yeah. that, that, that always <laughs> and, solves and, and every that's problem. That's not going to help yeah. anything. Yeah. And there's been bills to try to fix that in the given. And, and Herbert has said, I want more power. The governor should have more power, and the legislature just thumbs their noses at that because they what little power they have, which is the budget, which is the money, the money. they. Yeah. Uh, they're gonna, they, they're gonna every governor that. runs on education, and every Can't governor is it. lying about it when they're yeah. running on education. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let, let's talk about people who are running for just a moment, because uh, we've been following so many interesting stories about how people get elected. The Proposition 4, all right? Budget was about one of these initiatives, referendums, so yeah. is this one. So, Amy, let's talk about this for a second, because a compromise was reached this week on Prop 4, which many people didn't realize was still kind of in the balance. Yeah, these guys were up there, and they can tell you a little bit more about the compromise, but I think the, the just the idea that the compromise was in process was very alarming to people who vote, you know, who the, the people who went out and got those petitions signed were part of that proposition effort, um, and because they already feel betrayed on the other propositions that were reworked yeah. um, and and I think that just the idea that they were going to sit down and discuss this with the legislature that they don't trust um, was very alarming uh, and let's talk about about it made it difficult the trust part. To even 
get information. Yeah, ex exactly. Now, Spencer, you're you're part of these discussions. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, t tell us about that trust factor that Amy was just talking about there, and kind of a little piece of what the compromise that they found that both sides seem to be okay with this. Well, th well, this has been going on for a year and a half. That right after the right after it passed, uh, a group of us sat down and started having discussions, and they were very productive. Um, they were they were. Um, heated on both sides and, and uh, both sides felt like they were right. I have to applaud Better Boundaries and the legislature that they basically put a gag order on themselves when, when we ended last legislative session and didn't have a solution mm -hmm. and we agreed we would come back uh, this year and talk more about it and both sides were respectful of that. Both sides uh, didn't talk about it in the press or in the public and then we came back right first week of this legislative session and met uh, twice a week uh, up until this point um, and look, better boundaries got some things they wanted and, and the legislature got some things they wanted. But redistricting in this state is mainly a perception issue that there's bad things going on. There just are not enough, it's not an evenly, you know, it's not an even balanced state as far as Republicans and Democrats. And so to, the only gerrymandering that could go on is to round up every, every Democrat that lived in any place in the state of Utah and draw, it'll look like a, you know, cheese curds to, to put a, a congressional district together that would work. That would be the only way you could really gerrymander. There's just yeah, too there's, many Republicans. I, I but there's too yeah. many, there's, there's some really good stuff they could do, which they haven't done. And the most obvious thing to do is, because right now, Chris Stewart represents the Salt Lake City, most of Salt Lake City. <laughs> they are totally disenfranchised, okay, yeah. with Chris Stewart. I won't go into all about what he's done with yeah. Trump and everything else. So they're disenfranchised. Salt Lake City is disenfranchised. So they could just go and start, and maybe they can with this new independent commission. They could take the northern boundary of Salt Lake City and just push south until you get 850,000 people or how many you need, and then that would be one district. That would still be a Republican-leaning district, but it would be much less so because right now Chris Stewart's up around 17% plus Republican. So it could be down around 5 or 6% Republican, and that would be much fairer for the for the Democrats. The, the there nice, are ways that you can do it. The nice yeah. thing the about biggest, this. The biggest issue for me, though, you talk about um, the process, is that the legislative process, the redistricting process after 2010 was bipartisan in the state, at the state level. At the legislature. And then when it, yeah, at the legislature. And then when it went to the federal letter level, it was all Republican. And that's what I think people on the outside oh. really have an issue with. It's that if you're doing it behind, you could have be the nicest, greatest, most altruistic people behind closed doors. I still want to see the process. I want it to be bipartisan. Well, this I is really all about yeah. the congressional it districts. Is. Um, it is. Yeah. All about that. But, but it's still people have a perception that there's nefarious things going on and this is going to clean that up they there will be well, an opportunity to some extent it is. yeah but but it will it brings it out in the daylight the commission which will be appointed mm -hmm. has a, a list of uh, rules they should follow like com keeping communities of interest together yeah. yes. um, but I do think the gag order that you all imposed on yourselves actually hurt you in communicating with the public because it everyone was blind the general public is blindsided what we assume we're immersed in this universe every day 
say that people know what we know and they don't and there is a distrust and a sense of panic mm -hmm. and there are a lot of disenfranchised people who just don't trust the process they just don't hey, see it as fair so Bob on a couple of these great points on the process Amy just brought up and a couple of things that they've changed that seem to be you know getting some favors one is they've, they've changed how the maps worked right it used to be the independent researching commission would submit maps you can vote for them or not but now it's sort of an optional all right you can well no you, they put in a, the Utah Constitution says that like all constitu state constitutions the legislature will redistrict so they couldn't change that they can't change right. the Constitution in Utah via uh, initiative okay yeah. that, that can only be done through the that legislature the about the yeah, constitutionality yeah. of it right oh, okay yeah. that was part of it mm -hmm. they also had some other weird stuff like the Chief Justice of the Utah Supreme Court was going to pick maps if you couldn't make a decision oh, and right, so right, you don't right, want right. to get the d different branches of government all messed up and all this yeah. so so there are other problems but what so what it is now it's going to be a recommendation they can send up one map the independent commission one map three maps whatever and then the legislature will look at them and say no or yes yeah. well it may change it a little bit now again on the legislative districts which has which has some real games played in the past yeah. uh, on the legislative district it's not that much of a deal because you almost get democratic votes almost always mm -hmm. some of the democrats why because they take care of the democrats yeah, sure. in some area they're all taking care of each other mm -hmm. biggest conflict in state government is redistricting people yeah. don't understand that well, and because, so, it, because you're deciding how you're going to get to hold on to your power you're, yeah. you're picking your own voters instead of your voters picking you but they funded but so that a million dollars they did, for this, they did which and, is big and, which is nice and they should do it and there is an independent redistricting commission so we're all going to get it but when they but the, but the, they had a bunch of really odd things in there in their proposition which which forced the legislature to do what the district commission was going to do they've taken those all out so it's only going to be a recommendation and, and by the way anybody that's all it ever was that's by all the way. it ever was uh, but uh, but uh, it was all a recommendation but it was pretty tough uh, to vote against it then under the original you had to vote it up or down yeah, yeah. had to vote they don't have to vote it up or down they don't have to vote it up or down now so anyway it ha has some of the teeth been taken out sure uh, but it's still a good thing and and it's still going to be tough for these guys the, the, the next legislature to to do something really weird with US house seats it's going to be it's going to be tougher to do that and it'll be a big PR problem but we've just gone through tax reform do these people care do about they, a big pro I was just PR, say, problem? PR problem <laughs> okay. they do they do care okay yeah. I don't care as much as Not enough. that seems like a perfect segue to our talk about the presidential you know yes the presidential candidates you know in, in Utah but Super Tuesday in particular because yeah. this is a big deal for us in Utah it is. Amy let's talk about it first time ever this it's this coming Tuesday right yeah. we are part of it how big of a deal is it for Utah that we are with these uh, other 13 states on this day kind of I, I think if you look at the, just the vote by mail and the vote in person numbers, I mean, I think it, people are extremely excited yeah. about it. They're extremely excited to be part of it. Um, I think uh, you have some, you, Bernie Sanders is coming. He's going to have a rally here on yeah. Monday. Uh, you've had a number of other presidential yeah. candidates come here. Um, uh, Bloomberg, Mayor Pete, uh, Elizabeth Warren Elizabeth came last yeah. year. So, I mean, this is, it, it puts you in the in the thick of it. And so it's exciting. And, and I think it's definitely energized people. Um, I think Bernie has something similar that President Trump has, and it's this really solid, really dedicated base that um, almost anything he does or says doesn't matter. They believe in his philosophy, his core philosophy so much that um, they're with him 100%, and it doesn't matter what he says at a debate or doesn't do. And um, I think, I, I just think it's a really exciting, I wish that the entire primary season was condensed and, and that we
we didn't have to, that two or three communities weren't narrowing this field down, that we all got to choose from whatever the field was at the beginning. I always make a definitive mm -hmm. statement on this show okay. so, that I can, love those. so that I can apologize later about it. But, <laughs> but Bernie Sanders will be the nominee and there are other consequences to Bernie being the nominee, and I, I believe that consequence is that the House flips and we retain the Senate if Bernie's the nominee. You're saying we, you mean Republicans? The Republicans. That's because yeah. I'm a Republican. I'm okay. Just, yeah. just I think, I think, go ahead, Bob. People might not know that. I, I think <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Republican. Okay, okay. <laughs> if, uh, I'm going to scoot over. <laughs> if, uh, some consolidation on this I have to The virus, me. the virus could be anywhere. There'd be a political virus. <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, I think if Bernie Sanders is the nominee that uh, that he loses, mm -hmm. and uh, and 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 if there's somebody else that's the nominee and Bernie can't convince all the Bernie Bros to come and be active and vote, then then that's a real problem too. But the United States is a is a is a right leaning country. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to vote for a Democratic Don't tell Nancy socialist. Pelosi that, Bob. Yeah. So, well, I mean, it's... It, so I disagree with both of you. Uh, and uh, I, I in, in full disclosure, I've registered as a Republican so I can vote in the governor's race because... Okay, so you feel for that. Huh? Well, we have a really interesting field of candidates for governor, and I feel like that's more important, actually, mm -hmm. to be connected to your well, local races. you better races. not go to your wine and cheese club but if you've registered as a Republican. Like they'll, they're going so to rat, <laughs> rat you out. But I think yeah. that, that, say, I don't know who's going to win the Democratic nomination because of the superdelegate situation. Yeah. So I think that, um, I think Bernie will win in Utah. I think he'll win, he'll get the most votes here. Um, but what will happen, I don't know. I don't. I think there's too much left in play. There's a lot happening in the world, and there's a lot happening here. I'm definitely a person that says, just get engaged in whatever way you can. Let me give you the numbers since you just said that because yeah. we have a poll we just released this morning okay. with, with the Deseret News. I want to give you these numbers with your take on this. Bernie Sanders, 28%. Mm -hmm. uh, Bloomberg, 19. Buttigieg, 18. Warren, 15. 6% Biden. Klobuchar, 4. Only 8% don't know. Yeah. I mean, th this Bernie in Utah, I mean, he was he went by 79% in our caucuses in 2016. Yeah. So I, I actually think that Bernie is the only candidate that will give Donald Trump a run for his money, and I'll tell you why. Because there's, and I told, I, I walked in Market Street Grill four years ago, and the and the Democrats were meeting there, and they were, Peter Caroon waved me in and said, hey, tell us who we should support. I said, well, there's a way more energy around Bernie Sanders mm -hmm. than any of your other candidates. And the, the interesting thing about superdelegates, because of the last Democratic convention, a lot of modifications were made yeah. to how those superdelegates yeah. yeah. Get to or, the second round. Yeah, yeah. The, how they how they are played, and that that benefits Bernie, and I believe that the energy it's it's the the Donald Trump equivalent to the Republican Party right now. He is the person exciting the base, and so it'll be interesting. Yeah. That's going to be the last comment of that, but we get to see that on Tuesday. Thank you so much for your great insights uh, tonight. We appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode of the Hinkley Report. If you like listening to the experts talking about the issues, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast app.